0: Before we open God's word, let's all bow in a word of prayer. Our Holy God and our Heavenly Father, we bow unto Thee, the living God, the God who has created us, the God who has given us the very breath of life, and the God that wants to redeem our soul, From the bondage of sin heavenly father as we gather in this morning hour for the second last time in this holy tabernacle in this holy house of prayer we pray that thy holy spirit may grace us with his holy presence that each one of us may realize and recognize that when we enter this holy temple or any holy temple that we enter it with reverence with godly fear anticipating and asking for a blessing and indeed we do ask for a blessing that thou wouldst fill us with many fond remembrances of what what thou hast done for us of thy goodness Lord be merciful unto us and allow thy messenger to be used freely through the Holy Spirit. This we ask and pray in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As Brother Doug, probably a week ago, alerted me to the fact that I may have to be used to deliver a message. And this morning hour, this being a very special commemorative service to highlight the last perhaps or the second last time that we will gather in this holy place and being one of the also individuals that found the Western Road Church as an oasis as uh, my family journeyed from a foreign land from Australia, landed here in Toronto. As a young teenager, I had many fond memories and snapshots of that time. And as I struggled to find the appropriate passage that would uh, highlight our reverence for God, I was led of the Spirit to find. A scripture that is one of the shorter scriptures in the Bible, not very often read and preached upon in my 30 plus years of service, I I recall maybe uh, only having opened this scripture once maybe, and that's found in the second epistle of John, and as John addresses in these few words, I would like to, with the help of the Lord, read that uh, scripture and passage. Here is is Second John, 2nd epistle of John. And he addresses it to a dear lady, which at first glance appears to be an individual, but as we read on, I believe that God will reveal unto us. He was really addressing this to a church. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever grace be with you mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of the Father in truth and love I rejoiced greatly that I found all thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father and now I beseech thee lady Not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves, that we lose not these things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in, not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ He hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full, the children of Thy elect sister greet Thee. Amen.
1: Let us arise unto prayer. Almighty God, gracious, glorious, eternal Heavenly Father, we rise to the worship, honor praise of your name. We lift our voices and our hearts unto thee in humility and in recognition, O Lord, that it is only in thee that we are. And Lord, as this very special day passes and as this very special Day is being commemorated, O oh Lord. We're reminded of the fact that it is not the building that is the house of God, but it is each of us, thy children. And we have this very special privilege. That we, each of us, thy children, are the temple of the living God. Housing the very Spirit of God Almighty. Part of the Trinity. In his full power. And Lord, to have this privilege that we can be together here this morning. Hundred, whatever number of people that are committed unto thee, that are thy children that have been enveloped and have become the temple of living God. Lord, among us is the infinite power of thy spirit. And we're thankful that through his presence. We can be what Thou would want us to be. We're thankful, O Lord, that we can have the testimony unto those around us, whether within these walls or outside of these walls, and thankful that Thou can be God Almighty in this very last times that we live in and use us in thy service thank you for these blessings and thank you Lord that thy holy word is with us day by day even today and we pray thy gracious blessings upon thy word and the brother that is to divide this word of our God, grant unto us O oh Lord That we'd be encouraged. That we would be discipled. That we would be counseled by thy word. And need to be admonished by thy word. Directed. Guided. Lord. For it is worth more. Than being able to see with our eyes. To have thee hold us, direct us and lead us, is worth more than knowing the way. Because it is thy power, in us and through us, that only makes the difference. May thy blessings be among us, and Lord, as we think of those that are not with us, that would long to be here even today for whatever reason, whether it is through the infirmity of the flesh, whether it is just lack of strength, whether it is old age, no matter what it is, that it kept them from these this very special gathering. We pray, O Lord, that Thou, through Thy ever-present and always-present, and everywhere-present Spirit, would be also with them and comfort their hearts. And help them to know that Thou art our God, our Creator, our our Deliverer, our Savior, and Thou art our Sustainer. Now, as we commit this service unto Thee, we pray for Your blessings upon us all, in the name of Christ, our Holy Savior, our Glorious Redeemer, and through His merit. Amen.
0: If we were able to turn the clock back. any time in the past, most of us would have specific time frames in our mind or snapshots in our memory banks that would take us back to particular events. And as I entered this holy sanctuary in this morning hour, I had to reflect and turn the clock back in my own life and the clock that I turn back to, that I so fondly remember, is turned back to March of 1965, when, barely 15 years old, my family moved from Australia. And this was our first landing place, our first oasis in North America, where my parents found refuge. And quench their thirst in this holy oasis called the West, Weston Road Toronto Church. And I was perhaps too young to understand and comprehend fully why it is that my parents were moving. What were they searching for? And the more that I aged, the more I realize that when we read the heroes of our faith in Hebrews 11, that many of the heroes of faith were our forefathers, our parents, and in many cases your grandparents, that had this calling of God not to seek a land that flowed with milk and honey, but to seek a land, because they were called of God, to go into a foreign land like Abraham when he was called of God, he left his country, he left his father's house, and he obeyed God's call to seek a land, which he did not know what that land was, but he was seeking that promised land, whose builder and maker was God. And he accepted it in faith. And many of our parents and grandparents also had this quest to search for a place where they could worship God in truth and in spirit, unhindered by the governments. Many of them not speaking the language, being pilgrims and strangers, into a foreign land. But it was this refuge that we found, that gave us solace, and that stilled our hearts, and quenched our thirst for the word of God. And as a young man, though I had attended church all my life, I didn't really comprehend and understand at that young age what it meant to Commit oneself to God and to Jesus Christ. And it was for the few months that we called Western Road, Toronto, our home, is when I believe that God began to work in my heart to establish my heart in the grace of God, as as, as the Book of Hebrews says. It is good that the heart be established in the grace of God. And I believe that at that young age, not fully understanding, having a a bit of an understanding that one must repent and be baptized, that was very clear, but not having really a full comprehension of this change of heart, uh, this change of attitude, and this deep commitment that had to take place as one makes a covenant with God. But certainly, God at that very young age put in my heart that this was the only way. Not because my parents told me so, but because God spoke and was sitting in these pews and benches, that that realization first came to me that this was the only way. Oh yeah, but the devil told me you have lots of time, you're young. Uh, there's a whole life ahead of you. You need to experience things. And it was quite a few years after that I fully committed my life to the Lord. But nevertheless, the memories that are ingrained in my mind will last forever. And it's not, you know, as Brother Doug mentioned, uh, the events of, of your new facility that you're planning. It brought also memories of, of my first time that I entered these doors, it wasn't on the Sunday, it was just a, a day or two after we arrived, and there were a number of brothers and, and young people that had to come in here, the lights were being changed, and one specific thing that for some reason was carved in my mind is the exit sign for your side door had to be installed, and, and I don't know exactly what I did, but I, whether I was holding the ladder, but I was certainly part of that uh, experience. And many of you young ones and old ones that are now going through a renovation process, it will leave lasting memories of the diligent work that you're putting in to uh, allow yourself to worship in a facility where you don't have to deal with the traffic and congestion problems, where... (laughs) uh the facilities will be a little more conducive uh, to children and, and Sunday schools and so forth and so I certainly pray if the Lord tarries that uh, long enough that you would also have these good memories because our memories are very selective and we tend to only remember and refer to the old days as the good old days because as time marches on we tend to remember the good things. And we like to dwell on the good things. And it's certainly my prayer that as you migrate from this facility to a new facility, and Brother Ted prayed, it's not the walls, it's not the building itself that makes the church. It's really the body of Christ that makes the church. And that makes us feel that we are part of of some greater thing than us individually walking through the uh, desert land of this this world, we we have a, a sense of purpose, we have a sense of belonging, and that's one of the functions of the church. One might ask, what is really the function of the church? What is the perfect church? And you know, there are many people that are that have this quest of finding the perfect church. And you know, as we look around us, we can find many faults with ourselves, with, with our uh, surrounding environment, with our fellow brothers and sisters, with our families. And you know, I'm reminded of a story that a man came to a great, to one of the great preachers uh, in the British Empire, and he says, "I've been looking for years for that perfect church, and I just can't seem to find it." And the response of this wise old preacher, says, you know, when you find that perfect church, don't join it. And he was a little flabbergasted. He says, the moment you join it, it's not going to be a perfect church anymore. And, and you know, there's a lot of truth. We, we always look at the faults and, and, and those things and excuses why we can't join or why we don't want to commit ourselves to, you know We know that we have to commit ourselves to God. And I'm specifically now perhaps addressing to those of you young ones whose, whose fathers and grandfathers made that journey of faith and came into this foreign land and found refuge and, and found peace and faith where they could worship their God in tranquility. But you know the human heart is never satisfied. And what they were satisfied with, perhaps I'm not satisfied with, and my children and my uh, grandchildren will look for new things to satisfy the inner man. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for that perfect church, you already belong. You're already part of that perfect church. And, and if you join it, you can make it more perfect than it has been in the past. You know, when Abraham left his household, he's, uh, it, it appears that he came from a well-to-do family. And yet, he was willing to forsake all because he knew that God was calling him to a new life. And if you have that realization, if, if the heart is established in that truth, that God is calling you to a new life, but you may be confused, and the, the devil is, is throwing all kinds of hurdles at you to indicate, well, you know, this is perhaps not the most conducive place for for you to to grow spiritual, first to be of all to be born into the family of God. You see, one of the functions of the church, uh, and as as why. The Lord has led me to this particular chapter in the second epistle of John. He addresses this to a lady and her children. And there are some biblical scholars that will argue that this was addressed to a specific person. But it was really addressed to a church. And and the children in that church. You know, Apostle Paul, in, in his uh, third epistle, uh, he addresses... Uh, individuals, when he writes unto Gaius, and to Diotrephes, and to uh, Demetrius, he mentions them by name, and yet in this second epistle, he appears not to know the name. I, I don't believe that uh, John the Apostle actually addressed this to an individual. He addressed it to a small congregation, and he called it the, uh, the, the elect lady. And you know, I would like to think of Weston Road as the elect lady that was instrumental in my spiritual nurturing. Though I was not spiritually born here, but the uh, very seeds of faith were planted in my heart as I sat here. And you know, one of the functions of the body of Christ of the church itself is, is it's likened to a mother. And a healthy mother cannot uh, but bear children if the conditions are right. But a sickly mother, a mother that's uh, diseased and uh, has health issues, it would be difficult for such a mother to bear children. And so one of the functions of the church is to bear children. And you know, and this church, this select lady of Weston Weston Road has has bore many children. You know, as as I sit around here, I I know Sister Lydia was baptized here. Many of you that began your, your nurturing process and your birth, your spiritual birth, it occurred here. And you maybe moved to many different places, and that's okay. But we need to remember that the body of Christ has to be preserved so that children can be born unto the Heavenly Father. And when we ask ourselves, well, you know, how do we uh, make this more effective? You know, there's a story of, of a young man that had come, was released from the First World War because he had a minor wound. He was not mortally wounded, but he was sent home and uh, to convalesce, and as he came home, his mother says, there's a hospital uh, downtown. Go to the hospital, see if they can help you. The young man walks into the hospital, and he sees two doors as he enters the hospital. And uh, one door says, for seriously wounded, and for the minor wounded, so he picks the door, he enters that door where it says, minor wounded. He goes through a, a long hall, he comes to another door, two doors again. And one door says, for the officers and for the regular infantry. And because he was not an officer, of course, he goes to the door uh, where the privates went. He basically goes through another hall and he comes to another set of doors And the door says for party members and for not party members. And of course he was not affiliated with any party as a soldier, so he chooses a door that says for non-party members. And he finds himself again on the street where he came from. He goes home and the mother says, well, how was your visit to the hospital? She says, well, it was not very helpful. But you just see the organization at that hospital; it's very organized. You know, and there's a moral story to that. As a Church of God, we can get preoccupied in in dwelling on the orderly things, and not that we ought not to be orderly. The God, the Word of God, does say that our God is a God of order, and uh, things must be done orderly and decently. But when we only focus on the order, then we limit the Spirit of God to be effective in dealing with those injuries, in, in dealing with, with uh, those that may be wounded, that need healing. And you know, when you look at the commandment that John was saying, that, this is not a new commandment that, that I give you, but this commandment you had from the very beginning. And what was the commandment, you know, uh, that, that Jesus Christ gave unto, uh, the, those that would care to listen to Him? I'm reminded of, of the, uh, John the Baptist when he was in prison and he sends his two disciples to question Jesus whether He was the Messiah or whether they should wait for another one, whether they should actually wait for a more perfect man. To teach them the ways of the Lord, and what did Jesus respond? He says, "The lame are walking, the deaf hear, the uh, broken-hearted are are healed, and they they find salvation. And the message is being preached unto the lost. And when we talk about the function of the church." We need to recognize why is it that people want to come to church. It's not just to socialize. Yes, many of you may have come in this morning and throughout this day to socialize, to reacquaint yourself. But really, the body of Christ, the church, is a hospital. And this has been said by others, and it bears repeating. You know, the church is a hospital for sinners. To mend the broken hearted, to provide healing for those that are sick. To provide refuge for those that are naked and destitute. To provide freedom to those that are imprisoned. And this is the very teaching of Jesus Christ. And the church itself has to focus on these teachings. And if we lose sight of that, if we focus just on the order of things then we will limit the power of God, we will limit the Spirit in being able to reach those that may come through our doors seeking for that healing power. But we may be preoccupied in our own functions. And you know, we can be very busy in the work of the Lord and miss the opportunity for that soul that is seeking some companionship that is that is naked and destitute and imprisoned by the chains of sin. You know, when when Jesus Christ uh, talks about the great separation of, of the master that divides the sheep from the goats and he uh, says, you know, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you quenched my thirst. And... So forth. And we often think that we need to do, and we certainly do, to take care of the temporal needs of people. That's the first and foremost responsibility. But it, it, I believe that passage has much deeper meaning. That our function is also to provide refuge to those that are trying to escape the terrible anguish and the loneliness out there in the world. That leads to destruction. And people are coming to search for the truth. And if we allow the Spirit of God to move us and to motivate us. To embrace them. Not when they are perfect. But to embrace them as they are. To nurture them. To health. And to uh, uh, provide the appropriate. You know a hospital. when, When a sick person. Or a person that is traumatized. Goes into a hospital. They have to provide emergency services. And you know. Sometimes the medication. And the treatments they uh, apply. Are not pleasant. You know. Uh, and the pains and suffering. May be part of that process. But the end result will bring healing. When we allow. The surgeons and, and those involved in in nurturing people to health. It's a team effort. And the body of Christ is also a hospital where people, when they come in, it's not just up to the minister to provide that message and that healing service. I think it's much more the support of the body of Christ that is effective in in, in keeping people here and in, in making them feel welcome and then providing those opportunities and the appropriate scripture and medication that sometimes it's bitter but it brings forth good results but we have to gradually you know doctor doesn't always you know sometimes progressively he will increase the medication so, in order for the body to accept it and we ourselves as the as those messengers as as those that have been entrusted in the stewardship of of making the church a hospital for the sin soul, we need to also learn from the worldly examples that it takes sometimes a lot of effort, a lot of preparation before the surgeon of surgeons can actually mend the heart and, and rid the heart of, of the sin of that disease that only the blood of Jesus Christ can heal. And certainly my prayer that that as the western road migrates from one location to another, that uh, you would keep (coughs) this unity of spirit, this unity of heart, so that those that would come, that they would not find a a country club of saints, but that they would find really a hospital for their sin-sick soul, that those that are searching for the truth may recognize that truth is being preached and taught, that the gospel is the uh, is the saving power that redeems us and, and brings us freedom to the soul, so that when we depart from this place, that we can feel nourished, that we can feel unlift, uh, uplifted. You know, and when uh, when the um, writer of Hebrews talks about the great cloud of witnesses, you know, there is certainly a great cloud of witnesses. That will help us, and especially those that are struggling in, in, in making wise decisions in life, you know where do I go is this the appropriate church you know and, and many of our own children are struggling with that question: where is the most appropriate place for myself to be spiritually healed to to experience the proper conversion, and you know we can uh, certainly, and we hope to be able to testify of the truth that we in, as individuals found here and what it is that prompted us to 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 allow God to work in our hearts so that that transformation of mind and heart can be a complete conversion sealed by the baptism of, of water and the Holy Spirit where we can feel the presence of God and the mighty hand of God working amongst us and these are the kind of experiences, memories, that that we cherish. And I, it's it's my prayer that certainly all of us would have these fond memories of... And you know, there were trials and tribulations. This church was purged and, and uh, had gone through difficult times. But you know, God was faithful. And because we were faithful to Him, He was faithful to this church because it survived. And the evidence is here, you know. When we see those that have come into these circles and were openly welcomed, and that through time we're able to experience the fullness of God's power, and wanted to become now these lively stones of the body of Christ, what a joyous feeling it is! And you know, whether we come from from Serbia or. or uh, You know, South America or wherever we come from, it doesn't really matter. We are fitly framed together for the glory of God. And when we have that love one for another, we will certainly edify the church and we will glorify God. And it's my prayer that we would continue as we continue this quest and this search for a better land, a land that is not marred by the temporal things of this life, a land that will be an everlasting kingdom, only Jesus Christ can bring that. And you know, God has purchased, you know, when we talk about, and I know a little bit about how much effort and money it took to purchase this new facility, and the amount of work that still lies ahead to complete the sanctuary so that you could worship there but we cannot compare to that uh, the price that Jesus that God paid for his holy church he paid dearly for it and he sacrificed the shedding of Jesus blood to redeem us and to make us part of the family of God and you know when we think about perhaps the sacrifices that we make and I know there's a lot of aching muscles in this morning hour from the work that's going on. But you know, none of us have been called to shed blood for the sake of God. And yet God was willing to sacrifice and to purchase us, to redeem us from the bondage of sin, and to establish us as that holy church, as that bride that is prepared for the heavenly father and we pray that this holy bride this elect lady would continue in her ways and her teachings in her nurturings in her uh, whole atmosphere of, of, of doing those things that will further the gospel of christ that will bear many more children uh, in time to come and that will nurture those that are sin, full of sin, full of disease, and, and full of anguish, that they might find freedom and refuge, and that your new facility may, may be that oasis that many of us found in this facility. And may God continue to work in our hearts, in our mind, as we worship Him in truth and in spirit. You know, I, I do want to relate to you uh, that I found interesting, uh, there was a research done, and you know these polls that are done by Ipsos Reed and, and, and Barnes had done in 1998 uh, a, a search and a questionnaire amongst the North Americans, and the question is uh, how, how do you choose, what makes you stick and go to a particular church, what are the important things that you value when you're choosing a church. And uh, these are not necessarily in in the order, but uh, uh, the the most common answer is people are looking for a place that has solid theological beliefs, that, that teaches the truth and nothing but the truth. So doctrine is one of the most important pillars of this holy church. To uphold the doctrines of Jesus Christ and the teachings, and that commandment, which is not a new commandment, which uh, John the Apostle says, this is not a new commandment. Keep those commandments which God from the very beginning has passed on through Jesus Christ. And the second most important thing why people choose and stay in a church is how much people care. You know? And it's so refreshing when we hear testimonies of those that have perhaps walked in for the first time in our churches, in our holy sanctuaries, and when they are overwhelmed by the love and the embracing that they feel from the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Uh, number three is the sermons, the powerful sermons that convict hearts. And we often say, well, you know, there's that preacher again. I've heard that sermon before. I know exactly what he's going to say. But you know, Apostle Paul says that he needed to repeat. It was needful for, us, for you to, to hear that message again. And as your ministers and as your elders, our responsibility is to, to teach and to preach and to nurture and sometimes part of the teaching process is to repeat things. That's the only way we can remember things. Another aspect that, that people valued highly, is says, friendliness to visitors. And, and certainly, again, how, common, how hospitable are we? Hospitality is one of the virtues that even Apostle John here talks about when he writes to uh, their uh, Gaias. Uh, but he also chastises geotrophies who who was casting people out and not very accommodating and welcoming. And so hospitality and certainly any time that we as visitors have come uh, to your circles we've been embraced by love and your hospitality whether it's at your homes whether it's uh, in, in the church lunches or whatever functions I think there's always that Feeling that we will be embraced and will be accommodated and uh, hospitality will prevail. The other aspect that uh, they valued in, in choosing a church, and perhaps these are things that you young men, young women are struggling with, how much the church is involved in helping the poor and the disadvantaged. And you know, we often uh, think that to help uh, the, the Bible certainly says that we ought to uh, remember all, not just on the uh, household of God, to do good unto all, especially to the house of go- uh, God. And we certainly are thrilled when there are opportunities, when uh, God opens avenues for us. And there may be criticism, why are we involved? Why do we have to go to Zambia? Why do we have to go to Palom Park or where, wherever it is? if God's calling us and gives us the opportunity, then we should use that opportunity. And you know, the fruits of that labor may not be evident. It may take years. And you know, we we were thrilled to see that uh, the Pelham Park Initiative, you know, took how many years before the first convert was able to be baptized. And when we see the genuineness uh, and the true conversion that that individual has experienced, our brother Chris, we, we can only glorify God. And who are we to judge, you know, the mercy of God? The other aspect that, that people value in, in choosing a church is really the quality of the Sunday school program. And you know, the church and the future of the church is not sustainable unless we have young people. Unless we bring those teachings. And that begins at home first. And then. The body of Christ. The church itself has to foster. That teaching feeling. And that spirit. Of, of bringing our children. Into the knowledge of God. Now having them realize. That when they enter this house. It's a house of prayer. It's a holy place. And they ought to enter it with reverence. And with. Uh, uh, deep awe recognizing that the Spirit of God dwells amongst us many other things uh, that this research has done but it certainly uh, tells us that I don't believe that any of us would seek for any different things than than what this research has done and we pray that the Holy Spirit may use and motivate each one of us to be uh, the holy instrument's in God's hand to, to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ and to teach hope. That's what, uh, you know, we are in the business of teaching hope, of being messengers and agents of hope to those that are hopeless, to those that see no future for their souls. We are the ones that have to rejoice and reflect that joy that pass it all understanding. And when we exemplify the joy in Jesus Christ as we worship God in truth and His Spirit, you know, it can be contagious. It is contagious. And let's uh, exercise this contagion so that we can edify and glorify God and that we can further the Gospel. And that those that are outside that are seeking that glimmer of light, when they would see our circles and not just necessarily the grandness of our, uh, the temporal uh, building itself, but that it's the inner feeling of, of welcomeness, the feeling of joy, the feeling of hope that would draw them. And when we uh, allow God to use us as these holy instruments, He will draw them even further and allow them to be converted to. Members of the body of Christ. We pray that God would continue to. uh, Foster this feeling of. uh, Usefulness because we are all stewards. Of uh, what God has given us. He has given us many gifts. Whether it's through music. Through service. Through even the kitchen help. That all of us may labor. That we may labor to further. The. The work that Jesus has laid for us and that we would practice that first commandment of love. Loving one another and exemplifying that love by embracing those around us will be the biggest magnet to draw people unto God.
1: Change. Change is on the way. It reminds me of a little story of a man that moved to a new location a new, new part of town. And as uh, a taxi takes him there, as he's looking into that, uh, so he asks yes, the taxi drivers. He says, so what kind of people live here? So the taxi, the taxi driver says to him, what kind of people live where you come from? Well, he said, I had wonderful neighbors. I had good friends. I enjoyed where I was. Taxi driver said, same kind of people we live here. very next day, the same taxi driver picks up somebody else's moving in the area. They ask the same question. What kind of people live here? So he asks them the same question. He says, what kind of people live? Where you come from? Oh, he said, I have terrible neighbors in it. goes on and on. And the taxi driver said, the same thing's going to happen here. You see... When we relocate, we are the same people. Already today, already in these past weeks, you've already sown some of those seeds around the New neighborhood you're going to. Because they are going to be watching. Who are these people that have bought this building? Who are these people that are putting all this effort in? They're more than, going to, more than going to watch you. They're going to feel you. They're going to see whether you're united. They're going to see you not just you work together, but you stay together for the long run. They're going to watch you in many, many ways that you don't even know. In the same way, you will be leaving an area The a question you're going to have to ask and as, as we all do, is what were some of the mistakes that I've made where I was before? Can I change them? So I don't carry those mistakes to the new place. Because if, we, if when you leave, leave from here, and the neighbors say, are going to say, Hooray! Then we have to ask ourselves why. Is it because they have come into the light and the light revealed their sin and they don't want to be in that light or was it some of our own failures may the Lord bless you as a congregation may the Lord surround you and fill you with his spirit so that as you go from here to there you continue to be the building the temple of God so that those around you in your new neighborhood will be attracted not to you but to the God that you serve may God bless you richly with that kind of a spirit his holy spirit
0: the spirit of love and the spirit of truth in Christ